Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 good morning, good morning, and what a Monday morning after an unbelievable Sunday afternoon. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask you please subscribe to the program. You can also catch us on Facebook on the Chatterbox Sports page. We're streaming there. If you'd prefer to join us in podcast form, no problem. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. This was as dominant a performance as the Bengals have had in recent memory. I mean, where do you start? They weren't good. They were great. In all three phases of the game, it was a 27-10 complete tail-kicking of the Buffalo Bills. I don't even know where to start, but I know where we're going to start. Jackson Carmen, Cordell Volson, Ted Karras, Max Sharping, Hakeem Adeniji. That was the area of all the focus coming into this game. Could they protect Burrow? Could they run the ball? Yes. And yes, Burrow was sacked one time. The Bengals rushed for 172 bruising yards. By the middle of the third quarter, Bills were done. D-U-N done. Frank Pollock had his guys ready to play. The defense, we've said it all year long. This is the strength of this team. Number one, Lou Anarumo put on a coaching clinic conservative early then brought the heat in the second half especially with Mike Hilton pounding Josh Allen seemingly play after play some of the numbers Bengals set a postseason franchise record had 30 first downs the Bills had 18 412 yards of offense Burrow throws two touchdowns not a single turnover Joe Mixon might have been the best player on the field 20 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Had another 18 in receiving yards. The Bills were 4 for 12 on third down. Money Mac was money again. And lastly, the Bengals in the entire game committed two penalties. Two. That's coaching. That's preparation. That's execution. So you saw this coming from a mile away. Maybe in the NFL they didn't see it. We saw it coming. It's like a Hollywood script. A rematch of last year's AFC Championship game, Bengals v. Kansas City at Arrowhead. Kickoff set for 6.30 p. on Sunday night. Zim Hude will join us in a minute. Tim McGee at 10.30. Brian Billick at 11. The biggest story we're going to hear about all week, how healthy is Patrick Mahomes? Did you see this play? Watch his right ankle here. This was in the game against Jacksonville. Gets rolled up. It's hard to believe the thing wasn't broken. Plants a right foot, gets rolled up on. Look at the knee, the awkward landing. And uh, unbelievable. He would leave the game, showed incredible toughness by coming back. And 27-20 is a final over the Jags. Mahomes throws two touchdowns and leading his team to the conference title game for the fifth consecutive year. 
He is the first quarterback ever to do that before, th- before turning 30 years of age. Kansas City, of course, lost to the Bengals last season in the AFC Championship game in overtime, and the Bengals have beaten Mahomes and the Chiefs three times over the last calendar year. Now, over on the NFC side, Philadelphia looked like Philadelphia. The Philadelphia we saw the first 15 weeks of the season before Jalen Hurts got hurt. Hurts throws two touchdowns, runs for another score, 38-7 blowout of the New York Giants. The Eagles rush for 244 yards, over six yards a carry. Their defense only allowed 135 passing yards to Daniel Jones. They had an interception. So, the number one seed will be at home on Sunday at 3, and guess who's coming to town? The hottest team in the NFL. The San Francisco 49ers beat Dallas in a slugfest 19-12. As great as Dak Prescott was last Monday night, he was awful against the Niners. It's not all on him, but he just can't win the big one. 23 of 37, 206 yards, a touchdown. Two picks should have been four or five. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's been a starter in the league for seven years. Loses to a guy that's nine months removed from being the last player taken in the draft in Brock Purdy. And then there's this guy, Dalton Schultz. I mean, does this guy even know the rules of football? A lot of guys don't. I'm not saying that facetiously. But there's a rule in football that when you're going to the sideline, you've got to run forward before you get out of bounds to stop the clock. This guy catches a pass and steps sideways out of bounds. Clock keeps running. Two plays later, they throw a ball to the guy. He's completely nonchalant over on the sideline with his footwork and steps out of bounds. Now, if he doesn't get lazy on that catch, granted, it would have been a Hail Mary, but you would have at least had a chance. The Cowboys have not been to the NFC Championship game in 27 years. Eagles and Niners on Fox, 3 o'clock Sunday. College Hoops over the weekend, number 8 Xavier bounced back from the loss at DePaul. A hard-fought 95-82 win over Georgetown. Zach Freeman, a monster game. 30 points and 11 rebounds. X goes to number 15, UConn, this Wednesday night. UC lost yesterday to a solid Memphis team, 75-68. Bearcats are 14-7 and on the year. How about number 1, Houston? At home against Temple and lost... Yep, 56-55. And what in the world happened to Kansas? Number two team in the country, they're at home. They get destroyed by number 14, TCU, 83-60 at Allen Fieldhouse. It's one of the worst losses in the Bill Self era. All right, boys and girls, are we getting Zim Hude? Did he, um, I have not checked to see whether he decided he's doing it today or tomorrow. I do not have him yet. All right. Well, if he's not on here in the next few minutes, we do have Tim McGee coming up, as we mentioned, at 1030. We're going to talk about this Dak Prescott thing uh, in, in in Dallas. Uh, Jerry Jones just on and on and on and on that if I could play uh, with Dak Prescott against Brock Purdy 10 times, I'm confident we'd win eight or nine. Well, you don't get a chance to play 10. You play once, but that's for later. Casey, you rolled in at 2.30A. 
After making the trip, Brandon made the trip. He rolled in at 315A. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling electric, Tom. You don't look electric. I don't look it, but I'm feeling it. I am excited. I am relishing this opportunity for the Bengals to go 4-0 against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and go to the Super Bowl. Casey, what was your overall impression of the Bills, the stadium, the fans? Just kind of give us a rundown of, of what you experienced yesterday. Um, well, you know, I, much like the team itself, it was underwhelming. You know, the fans weren't like, you know, you expect like the, the Bills Mafia. They're, they're hard party and hardcore breaking through tables. We didn't see any of that. In fact, I thought the Bengals kind of ruled the day there. They just kind of took over the stadium. They took over the tailgates. And I don't know, man. I mean, the team the team is just uh, – they find motivation in the weirdest ways, but they always seem to come ready to play when it matters the most. And this Bengals team, man, I, they did not miss a beat. didn't matter that it was snowing like crazy. They just – ran hard they were able to throw all over the place i'm sure if it was called for joe burrow would have had 400 yards that game no doubt he was just throwing all over the place but it didn't matter because we ran for almost 200 yards which was very surprising but I, like i said on the show friday the way that they were going to win this game having a balanced attack and they were efficient on both sides of that they were able to throw all over the place. They were able to run and dominate the line of scrimmage. I mean, I, I don't even know if any of the Bills players really came to play on defense. I mean, the only guy that really came to play on offense was Josh Allen. And Stephon Diggs was over there just throwing a hissy fit because... Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that whole Diggs thing later. I, you know, I, I... It's one of the things about sports that in recent years, this is like the thing that, that, that you do. And if anybody caught it, okay, the game was already decided. Buffalo's last drive, it's 27 to 10. This game's over. Bills are out of timeout. Like you said, Allen's running around for his life the entire second half when all of a sudden it seemed like every time he turned around, Mike Hilton was just blowing him up. And, you know, on the fourth down play, uh, Allen throws it to somebody else besides Diggs. Incomplete. Bengals take a knee. Game over. Over on the sideline, Diggs is standing there with his arms up in the air, directing whatever it is that he was saying at Josh Allen, who clearly is very dejected, sitting there on the bench, head down. There was nothing to look at. You're not looking at a computer. You're not looking at pictures. You're looking at none of that nonsense. Game's over. I mean, when did it become cool? Or when did it be become okay? And none of the Bills players lit him up in the comments after the game. If I played for the Buffalo Bills, now, I don't know exactly what he said, so I got to be careful here. But just the demonstrative behavior, and you can say he was emotional and wrapped up, and I get all that. We've all been there. When you've said something, maybe you wish you didn't say emotionally to your wife, your girlfriend, your buddies, whatever. Just so out of line. So out of line. Yeah, one thing that I 
I feel like Joe Burrow does so well. And the difference between that team and this team is that the Bills lay it all out there for everyone to see. And other teams do that too. I'm not just saying it's just a Bills thing. But just from what we could tell, that one game, that the Bills just airing out all the dirty or dirty laundry, right? The Bengals will take it privately. They won't show it to the public. If Joe Burrow will go into the locker room and talk to Jamar Chase about the game, whether he had a bad game or not. Or, you know, he doesn't just flame him for the whole media to, to, to capture and to have this narrative now about the team. And, I mean, it's not a good one. It's not great. I mean, this is a bad way to lose in the playoffs. Um, at home, in the elements that they thought they had the advantage in. Um, I don't know why anybody would think that. I mean, yeah. I know what you're saying, but I mean, yeah. you look, what, you, you think the, the, the Bengals are playing in sunny and 70? No. I mean, seriously, why, why would the snow favor either one of those teams? Maybe because Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase haven't played a ton. Like, Jamar Chase, that was the first time he'd ever played in the right. snow. And right. there, there are some elements to that that I think with, like, Joe. Now, Joe, I saw a stat on Saturday night that he was 6-0 and in games 35 degrees or colder, so it's not like he hasn't <laughs> played well in the snow. I got to right, give right, it up, right, by right. the way. I got to give it up to our guy here, uh, B29. He came back. He did. He came back. Big Bills fan last week. He said it was going to be a tail kicking in favor of Buffalo. He writes in, Casey, respect to Cincinnati. Like last year, I'm pulling for you to beat Kansas City and win the Super Bowl. You got this. Now, there's a big league. Yeah. I, That's no Stephon Dick. I, I appreciate some guys doing that, but, man, we earned this thing. We earned that respect last year. Why are we getting respect now? You know, I got to say, and you were at the game, and look, I've never understood people getting all wrapped up in the announcers. I mean, the Romo talk has been so tired. People beating oh him gosh. down, you being one of them, I might add. Yesterday, well, he couldn't keep himself from drooling about the Bengals. But I will say this. He made a great point, and I thought it was at least it was his opinion, and I admired the opinion whether you agreed with it or not. He said, look, what they did last year, he said, I watched them. He said, and I thought they were a nice story, thought they were a good team, but wasn't sure if they were, were ready to truly be a team that was going to do this year after year after year. He said yesterday, without a doubt, I'm all in on believing in the Bengals. So you got to give it up to him, Casey, for that. Come on. I, I, Come on. I, I heard the exact same thing. It was like the post-game show, right? Where well, they no, were, he said it a lot during the game. During I mean, my, but well, my right ear, Paulie, drooled he, over him yesterday. He, he, Ro, and well, people are going to have to like it because it's Romo again next week. That's right. So, Well, I listened to it, uh, the post-game of him talking to the CBS studio. And to me, his body language and the, just the way that he was – telling the the audience how he felt it looked like he just struggled it was look it looked like he just didn't want to admit it it was like oh, yeah the Bengals are they're a juggernaut i guess you know they, he they, did they, not say it that way at all casey he did not i watched every play of the game with the sound up in my house i was by myself i watched the whole game yeah that's the that's he wasn't apologetic in his sort of you know he drooled yesterday over the Bengals. Right. There's two. There's two different ones. There's one of him talk, like on camera talking to the studio after the game, and then there's one that you're talking about while it's in game. 
And I watched the one that he was talking to the studio post game. And to me, he just, he, he looked like he didn't want to praise the Bengals at all, but that's just maybe because I have a terrible disposition for, for Romo. Um, but you know, I, regardless, I'm going to have to listen to him this upcoming yes, you Sunday. Are, are you and, not going? I thought you were going. Are you guys not all going? No, we're going to Kansas City. But are you? Go I think you're going to. The, are you not going to the game? I don't know. I, Trace hasn't said. No, I just. I mean, anymore. maybe not. I just figured you are all going out there. You're going to the game. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I think we're going to stay at a like a hotel that has a casino in it, and well, they got a lot of those out and there. Just hang out there and get <laughs> casino. Game. Leader of entertainment. Yeah. Uh, my takeaway from this: Does Missouri have legalized gambling? Missouri, I mean, sports gambling. Missouri, Missouri does not. No. Yeah. Oh. Frauds. Missouri. Not surprised. Go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> um, my <laughs> we've had it for all the twenty-three days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my takeaway from this game was that if you were a neutral observer of this game and not you didn't care about the Bengals, didn't care about the Bills. This was a boring game that the Bengals just straight up dominated from start to finish. I mean, if you were just watching this like we watched the Cowboys and the 49ers game afterwards or, or, or even the Eagles game the night before, 49ers game was better than that game. Um, but the Bengals won this game. They Think about this. The Bengals game-winning touchdown, what ended up being the game-winning touchdown, happened about nine minutes into the game. Think about that. Their Yo, second right. touchdown, their game-winning touchdown – happened about nine minutes into the game. The Bengals could have not scored from that point on and won the game. Yep. They straight up dominated every single facet of the game. The Bills never really even had a pulse. And I just don't understand why these opposing teams keep winning the toss and keep giving the ball to Cincinnati. That's what we want. I, I don't understand what these teams are doing, giving Joe Burrow the ball and saying, here, we'll play from behind all game. I don't get it. I don't. Yeah, I don't the teams no. like that. You know, Casey, look, I mean, you know, one thing Zach Taylor this year did halfway through the year was he flipped his philosophy on this deal. It's a good point you bring up. Remember, Zach Taylor was exactly like seemingly every other team in the NFL, where if they won the coin toss, he was going to defer to the second half. Because look, there's a lot to like about, you know, I mean, look, you see both sides of it, right? But the way the Bengals are going right now, and as good as Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and that offensive staff, they are phenomenal at scripting plays to start the game. I mean, the Bengals seemingly, every time they get that ball to start the game, are right down the field, touchdown right out of the gate. But Zach Taylor flipped the strip halfway through this year. So from now on, we're taking the ball first. There was no drama in the coin toss yesterday. You knew the Bills, if they won it, were going to defer. And you knew if the Bengals won a coin toss, they were taking the ball. Yeah. It's one of the few times you can ever say that. I mean, it's... This, this team is... They are well coached. They, they were early in the year and last year. A lot of times... Did not look like they were ready to play at the start of games. I, Paul, I think you bring up a great point. I think that this shift in philosophy of taking the ball first. If the other team wants to give it to you first, fine. Bills did. But in getting the ball first, this team is setting the tone that says basically what their mantra is, they got to play us. 
and they got to try to stop us from the very start of the game. And if you think back to the Monday night game, people were talking all week. Can we, can we take anything away from that game on Monday night where it got stopped after nine minutes, ten minutes, however long they played before DeMar Hamlin got hurt? Can you take anything away? Well, if you think back to how the Bengals played in that game, they went down and drove. They held Josh Allen and the Bills to a field goal on their first offensive drive, and then the Bengals were driving again. Yep. The play of the Bengals in that game could not have been any better from a confidence perspective leading into this game where they go down and they did the exact same thing again. And if you're sitting there in the locker room or you're going through practice all week and you're thinking to yourself, what can we take away? What can we remember? What can we talk about from that first game against the Bills? How much can you really extract from nine minutes of gameplay? You can extract a whole lot of confidence. And we talked about it last week, how much emphasis can you put on those first two drives in my mind it was a lot more than people were giving them credit for and I think that the Bengals knew that too and I think Joe Burrow knew that too and they did the same thing in the next game that's what they did yesterday I think the Bills knew it too yes and again why did they give the Bengals the ball I mean we'll take it but why did they give the Bengals the ball you have your quarterback Josh Allen, go out there and you, you you have this whole quarterback debate. You want to say that you are the preseason Super Bowl favorite that everybody, by and large, mostly picked to win the Super Bowl this year for good reason. They had a lot of defensive injuries. They had a lot of reasons that the season kind of got derailed for them. But when it came down to it, you have the guy that the debate is on with Burrow and, and, and Allen, and you could have set the tone, but instead you – Basically punt on it, and you give the Bengals the, – the Bengals went down and scored, and the game was over. I know they needed one more touchdown, but that game was over from the first touchdown of this game. Now, boys, you get into a situation, and this is something we're going to talk about all week this week. It's going to be fascinating to see what the Bengals are going to do on their offensive line if two of the starters are able to come back and play. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean – the pass rush, I think we all agree, is far better for Kansas City than it is for Buffalo. Just a straight pass rush with the guys that they have. And the, and the numbers would back that up. They don't have some monster guy like Parsons or Bosa or anybody like that. But they, they, they've got a good pass rush. Secondary, I don't think their defense is very good at all. But, I mean, after you watched that clinic yesterday, and I mean, Jackson Carmen, dude, we laid it out there last week. This was his opportunity again. He's been given a couple. Coming right out of college. Second round pick. Starter at Clemson. Left tackle. His first start as a left tackle in the NFL. And this guy handled it all. He was killing people in the run game. Very efficient in the pass game. He had one penalty, I think. Um, Burrow was sacked one time, but that wasn't his guy. That was after a breakdown and a lot of scrambling around. I mean, that, that really, that sack wasn't on the offensive line. That was on Burrow for not getting rid of the ball, but no big deal. I mean, it wasn't a situation where he had to, you know, try to throw it down the field and make something happen. He did, and that's the way it went. But Sharping, Identity, Karras gets hurt during the game. Comes back in, says no way after the game. Kara said, if you didn't see the comments after the game, 
Now, this is a guy who has won a Super Bowl. He is 3-0 in championship games when he was playing both at New England and Tampa Bay. Okay? And he said after the game last night, it was the most meaningful win of his NFL career because of what those guys did around him. Three new starters. They got it done now. You, you want to roll the dice with Jonah Williams next week if he can come back? Or you want to see Carmen out there? No, I, I think Carmen deserves the next opportunity. Um, I will say this, dollar in the jar. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the offensive run game, game plan couldn't have been any better. They knew the tendencies of the Buffalo Bills to a T. I mean, I, I implore everyone that watches film to watch what they ran. They ran a lot of, I think it's called wham, where the tight end comes back around to yep. seal the end. Wilcox and the other guy, Asiasi. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Adeniji and Carmen put a clinic on Milano and Edmonds all day, all day, just beating them down. And it is perfect for when your tackles can't win at the line of scrimmage, right? It's it's perfect because it just it helps them out so much to be able to just focus on the second level, just focus on getting to the second level, and they got there a lot, and it showed all game. What it also did for the pass game, I mean, the ends would scream upfield, and all Jackson Carmen had to do was barely push the guy out of the way, and he had him blocked. Amen. And That's what they asked Burrow, you to do. Go do it. And Burrow, Burrow is so fast at getting the ball out of his hands. You can't, you cannot scream upfield on this team, especially with the way that they're designing the run blocking schemes. Now, I don't know if that will work with Kansas City. I, I don't know if they've decided to switch the run game and if Kansas City will be able to adapt and adjust to this. But if they continue this, I really do think that the Bengals have a legitimate chance of winning that game and having a really good chance in the Super Bowl. Because if they have a run game like that and well, the pass game that they have, oh, they're unstoppable. Well, Paul asks every week, do you have a gut feeling about the game? I, I think the Bengals are going to go in there and absolutely blow the doors off Kansas City. Fire I me up, Tom. I think they are going to – I think they are going to hammer that team. I really do. I, I just think that there's something about them. They're going to just take – now, you know, Mahomes is the big deal, right? I mean, that, that's the billion-dollar question. And you can say, oh, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter, okay? If we were talking about Joe Burrow having an injured fill-in-the-blank ankle in this case, and he can't move around, and there's only so much you can do, Mahomes, his game, a large part of it in the big plays in that offense are him moving around – and now slinging it down the field. If he can't move around like that, it changes entirely what Kansas City wants to do. Now, they do have Andy Reid. And you can rest assured he's been up all night, all night, trying to figure out now what are we going to do. They can run the ball. So one point that Boomer Esiason and Bill Cowher made after the game last night. This Kansas City team is different in the regard comparing this time to last year, they can run the ball. Now, can they run the ball against the Bengals? I don't know. 
You don't know. Nobody knows. We're going to find out Sunday night. Uh, but before we get to Tim McGee, Ham and Eggers, take it away, because we got Tim McGee coming up to talk about this one. Boys, all you. Ham and Eggers. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Ooh, super close. Casey? Yeah. Uh, was there anything else maybe from Buffalo? Did you try any wings? You got up there on Saturday. Did you do anything else that, uh, that maybe is not about the game? Was there anything? Have you been to Buffalo before? Are there any takeaways from the city? I know you weren't, You said you weren't impressed with the, uh, the partying culture there up in Buffalo. You were kind of kind of demeaning to the to the bills and their and their fans up there bit. but uh but uh, i just i'm just curious did you enjoy your time up there did you get out to see anything besides the stadium you, you know we we didn't really stop by buffalo um you know we we just went straight to the stadium business trip business trip and um it, it was I, so i i will talk about the stadium though a little bit because okay. I am glad for that fan base that they're getting a new stadium here in three years. I'm about to be a little bit more demeaning to the Bills, oh, no. Bills nation here. That stadium felt like I was at UC. Yeah. Why are you looking at me like that? It's, uh, I think you're proving my point. Is that, that the, the, It was like going to Miami, actually. I mean, saying Nippert is nicer than something, that's saying something. So. Right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just really glad that they're getting a new stadium. They're getting all the new uh, – sorry, someone's calling me. Um, oh, you're getting a phone call. Uh, so is this you know, Bill's Stadium for sure happening? Yeah, I think it is. Okay. I think it is. All right. But it's like right across – from that stadium, apparently, like they're just doing it in the empty lot right by that stadium. So I don't know if they're going to demolish the old stadium, um, but it was uh, it just the atmosphere was so so off for me. Like I'm so used to a Bengals just you know intense, ready to go, and it might not have always been like that, but just in recent memory with this Joe Burrow led Bengals team. The atmosphere there for the Bills just wasn't there for me. I don't know. I, I really wish that uh, I got that experience. I wish I would have had some wings. Um, I didn't see any wings on my way to my seat. <laughs> um, they had <laughs> – I will tell you this. That's another dollar in the jar. Um, they had a special going on there for chili dogs. No way, really. But it was actual chili in the oh. chili dog. And the buns were just falling apart. It, they tried. They well, Brandon really tried. Seho over here had his Skyline sign that went everywhere. Yes, Skyline tweeted that it was, out. That was it awesome. is an elite sign. Everyone loved that sign. That was great. Uh, we do have Tim McGee in All here, right. Tom. We're good to go whenever you're good here to go. Here we go. go. Let, let, let's get to the main man here. Kind enough to join us again. Tim, I got to tell you, uh, I didn't see a tail kicking of this magnitude coming. Was this not a tail kicking? You played. You played almost 10 years. This was a tail kicking. Am I right? You're, you're 100% right. And let, and let me tell you why. We, the narrative was spread so often, so many, 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 many times. You did not want to go through Buffalo. You did not want to go through Buffalo. You do not want to play in Buffalo. 
and especially because the Bills were a very good team. So when you look at the performance today, or yesterday, I should say, <clears throat> when you look back, it was a complete domination of the Buffalo Bills. At home, in Buffalo, you couldn't have put all the variables together, bad weather, Buffalo, New York, uh, Josh Allen, national media, um, with the exception of Von Miller, you couldn't have put all the ingredients together to not expect the Buffalo Bills, from the national media standpoint, to whip the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And from start to finish, this was a good old-fashioned take you behind the shed and um, spank that butt. I want to ask you something we were talking about a minute ago because it's become almost a given. The teams, if they win the toss, they're going to defer to getting the football to start the second half. About halfway through this season, Zach Taylor changed his mind about that thinking, and he decided if we win the coin toss from now on, we want the ball first. When you're an offensive player, do you want to be out there first? Yes. And, and the reason being, you kind of control your own destiny, You and especially from the Bengals. Let's just face it. Although the defense don't get the credit that they deserve, this defense is has been absolutely wonderful. But you do have the star power of Joe Burrow and not giving him the football at the beginning of the game. You know, I'm not – I wasn't really um, excited about that strategy, but when they changed it from an offensive standpoint, it's like we can be up. We don't need a short field. The Cincinnati Bengals offense does not need the old school mentality of a short field to be successful. They can drive at 99, 98, whatever it takes, they can do it. Uh, they have the confidence, they have the talent, and you know, giving Joe Burrow the football at the beginning of the game, I thought was just magnificent in this particular game because, Tom, the Bills never stood a chance from the opening drive. The opening drive, it looked like it was flag football. And that's just had to be demoralizing, especially when Buffalo went, their offense didn't put any points on the board. So, you know, once you get behind the Bengals and they, they put together a, a complete game, and I had not seen that in a while. I'm with you all the way. I, I thought it was the most complete game, and I know there are a lot of fans that will say, what about this game, what about that game? In a meaningful, meaningful, big-time game against a big-time opponent, it was the most complete game, in my humble opinion, that I've seen out of this team, even through the Super Bowl run a year ago. I, I just said in all phases of the game. All right, I, I want to get inside football a little bit here with you. You played for Sam. Uh, he obviously scripted plays. I'm assuming every single team scripts plays to start a game. Walk, walk us through, Tim, uh, for an offensive-minded coach, which Sam was and Zach Taylor is. You have the offensive coordinator in Brian Callahan uh, and certainly input from Joe Burrow. What, what is that like during the week to come up with that script? The script is very important for reasons that people don't know. People think it's a strategy thing. It's a uh, let me um, let me go out and we're gonna we're gonna test this defense if they plan a four three or cover three. It's cover one. Actually, the number one reason it's for the psychology or the psychological effect of the players when you get that first 15, first 10 plays and you see your name on it. 
you know you're going to be engaged. It's not one of those situations where you're going, I don't know if I'm going to get the ball today. You see, and Sam did a great job, of course, because we had, you know, Boomer at the quarterback, myself, Eddie Brown, Chris Collinsworth, uh, Icky Woods, and James Brooks, and Rodney Holman. So it was very important for all of us to see that we were going to be a part of the game. Now, as the game progresses after those 15, Bruce Coslett and Sam, they always told us, you know, the guy that has the hot hand, or the group that has the hot hand, we're going to continue to ride that. And that's what you do. So you see the first couple of plays, Baltimore, I mean, I'm sorry, Baltimore, uh, Buffalo gave them the slant and Jamar Chase started. You knew once Jamar Chase started, you knew they were going to keep going after it and after it and after it. And, and that's what they did. But that's what the 15, 15 plays or 10 plays, however they scripted. But that's the most important part to keep guys engaged, especially at the early stage of the football game. Um, the offensive line, uh, it, it was a focal point the entire week. You know, were they going to be good enough? Were they going to protect Joe Burrow? Could they run the ball? Well, it was yes and yes, as we mentioned to both of those questions. I think he only got hit three times. He was sacked once. Uh, they ran the ball incredibly well. Um, but you're a guy that's sitting there paying attention. You know, the rest of us are watching the ball. You, a guy like you, you, you know, you're watching what some of these guys are doing. What were your thoughts about the three new starters along that offensive line? It's easy to say they scored 27 and they did all the things I just mentioned, but how did you feel they played in the game? Well, the number one thing offensive linemen love to do is run. And their run game was on. And that was probably the most surprising element of the entire game with the fact that it was like, okay, wait a minute, the Bengals have a run game? And Joe Burrow was, you know, he was clocking nine, ten yards. And you knew, well, the reason being because the offensive line, those three much maligned offensive linemen that were obviously substitute backups, guys that are not supposed to play to the level of the starters, they came in and established the game early that they can run the ball. Well, okay, if you're running the ball effectively and you're a passing team, you just got the whole playbook at your hands. It's okay. What do we want to do? Do we want to throw the T? Oh, how about let's throw, let's throw to the tight end. Oh, how about a little, let's throw in a little run there. They kept starting with the offensive line. They allowed Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor and Callahan, Brian, that is, they allowed them to open up their playbook and just pretty much select whatever they, whatever they wanted to do. And, you know, because you can execute starting with those three guys and they, you know, they just play wonderful. What, what was your thought on the, uh, the, the touchdown catch by, by Chase that was uh, overturned? Ugh. You know, that it's, it's one of those, you know, when is a touchdown not a touchdown? It's like the ball's moving. I mean, that's just some technical BS. Come on, get away from that crap. I mean, it was a touchdown. It, you know, of course, you know, it's, there's this thing now. What our eyes see is not what our eyes see. I, our eyes saw a touchdown, and I'm pretty sure the Buffalo Bills, although they were hoping it, but they saw a touchdown. But from the technical side, oh, the ball moved, the string moved, oh, and then it went from his middle finger to his baby finger, and therefore, it's not a catch. But if it was on the sideline, it was a catch. It, it just, come on now. It, it, it's disappointing. The NFL has too good of a product to let little itty bitty things like that affect could affect possibly affect the outcome of the game that that just that's just poor the competition committee needs to go back and, and clean that up 
look, uh, we have all week to talk about this, but, but I'm just kind of curious. I threw it out there at the very beginning. Um, Carmen, you know, I had said on the show last week, this, this young man was given a chance a year ago. Uh, he laid an egg. He didn't get it done when given that opportunity. He got this chance, the biggest start of his career, first time ever at left tackle. You barely ever heard his name, and for him, that's a good thing. He played very, very well. Jonah Williams came back the last time. He didn't even miss a game the last time after dislocating his kneecap. He had the same injury again against Baltimore. There's a chance you get Karras back, or Kappa back, rather. Uh, maybe. It's all maybes. After what you saw yesterday, would you be hesitant to make any changes coming into this Kansas City game on the offensive line? I, I would not make any cha changes, and here's why. I think this is very important. When you get those two of those starters back, because we know Collins out for the year, if, if they are healthy enough to play, the problem is they may be 80%. Your backups who just played at 100%, I would rather have a guy at 100% than a guy at 80% when you're talking about the offensive line. They're going to have a bigger challenge against Kansas City. Buffalo was hurt. I'm not making ex in, in no excuse whatsoever. None, zero. They played fabulous. But what I'm saying... I would not bring back someone from an injury unless it was your quarterback or a wide receiver. But I think you're, you would be risking or they would be risking a guy coming in, like I'm saying, he may try to gut through it, but at his 80% versus a backup 100%, a proven backup or backups, plural, I think I would go with the backups. I want to ask you uh, about, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you played with Boomer. And, and anybody who spent 10 minutes around Boomer, you just kind of knew that he had that sort of it factor, right? That, that he was going to lead a team along with having a lot of great talent around him, you included, uh, and a phenomenal offensive line and all those kinds of things. But, you know, today, and you get the, the uh, reactions and the overreactions and that kind of thing, really about two guys in the NFL today. And I wonder what is inside the head. And I'm not asking you to be Sigmund Freud here, but, but for Josh Allen and for Dak Prescott, these are two guys now that their fan bases are wondering, are these guys going to ever, quote, unquote, win the big one? Do you know as a player whether you got the guy? I think so, but it's what you put around the guy. And the best example in the NFL is probably Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, we know, is a phenom. Josh Allen is a phenom. You know, I, I wouldn't put Dax in that category. And But Dax plays in a market in Dallas that, you know, they're, they have the best PR in the world. People expect them to win every single year or they come out with all this PR that they're going to win, which the talent don't match what, you know, that's one of those you're – your um, mouth is uh, cashing the check that you're, you're behind, just <laughs> probably don't have the, the money into the account. But anyway, I, I just don't think, I really truly do not think you can look back at guys and say they can't win the game like the quarterback position is the only position that's going to equate to your success. And I've seen several times where, you know, the quarterback – plays a great game and they lose and they still blame it on that guy. He's not that guy. But remember, 
Our guy, Joe Burrow, hasn't won the big game. So are we setting it up where in a couple years we're going to say Burrow is great, but I don't know he if he's mm. that guy who won the Super Bowl. So I, I'm always hesitant to focus too much, put too much focus on the quarterback position because, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you know, they didn't win Super Bowls every year. Uh, Tom Brady won them a whole hell of a lot. But when they didn't win them, it wasn't because of he wasn't that guy. Um, ankle injury. And I don't know where all of a sudden we went in the world where it became a, a sprained ankle to a high sprain ankle. But it really doesn't matter. Your experience, and I heard Tony Romo, which I found to be very interesting yesterday. Um, he made the comment, he said, look, when that injury happens and you're on the field, whatever it is they do to you in the locker room or the sideline, and I don't care what it is they do, Mahomes came trotting back out there and Romo made the point. Your adrenaline's going, you're already warmed up, you can find a way to get back there and get on the field. When you wake up the next morning, you might need crutches to walk for the next two or three days. Is Mahomes going to be at 100%? Where do you, I mean, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I mean, based on your experience in these kind of injuries, how serious is that injury? You know, it's it's funny. I got to give you a uh, inside the locker room story. Good. So when I played, when I played for the Redskins, I was working out in the off season. I was working out at uh, Princeton High School where I stepped in a, uh, a sprinkler head that was missing and I messed up my, my heel. And I, I go on in the Redskins. I wasn't I wasn't myself because I was limping. I had a terrible limp, but it was so painful. I got a shot before a game, and I went out and had like a hundred yards touchdown and all that. And was, oh, you know, all the write ups were good, and, and I'll never forget the uh, the shot wore off. I went to bed, and I, I I got up to go to the bathroom, and I took a step, and I I never forget. I I I was grimacing in pain. Like, what the hell just happened? So, you know, it's like, yeah, you can get away. So I would agree with Tony. Yeah, when the adrenaline is flowing. Yeah, when you get that shot to pretty much, you know, uh, cancel the pain out. We, we call it numb it. Mm. And yes, it affects you for two or three days. But he has youth on his side. If that was to happen to you or an I, uh, we would be out for six months. That happens to him. He'll be out four or five days. And just remember, he's a mobile quarterback and a high ankle sprain. You know, will it affect him? I think so. But see, I always think that's scary. I think injuries are scary to quarterback because it makes them do what? It makes them focus more because now they know they have to make up because they make up for the loss of athleticism. So now they have to play a smarter game. So that kind of scares me or concerns me a little bit because maybe he won't be as mobile, but he'll be as sm he'll be smarter. He'll make the right decisions. He'll go through his read. He won't do more improvising. So that could be an advantage or disadvantage. All right, well, speaking of advantage or disadvantage, before we let you go, everybody knows the Bengals have quote-unquote owned the Chiefs, right? I mean, Burroughs 3-0 and against Mahomes. They beat him three times in a calendar year, including in this game a season ago, overtime game. Mahomes threw the pick in overtime. Bengals kicked the field goal, won the game. Um, when you've had a team that quote unquote at least for one year has your number based on your experience 
does that help you? Or in the back of your mind, you're kind of going, ooh, you know, if something goes wrong, they kind of got our number here. Or is that all just media talk and nonsense? No, I, first of all, all the games have been great games. So the game, both games could have gone either. All games could not. Oh, all games could have gone either way. So with that being said, again, the concerning factor in that is yes, you're going to get up for a team that's beat you that many times. Yes, and let's face it, the Kansas City Chiefs are really believing it was luck. It was bad luck for them. Good fortunes for the Bengals. Yes, they respect the Bengals, just like everyone else. They're not going to give the Bengals credit. They're going to feel we didn't lose to the Bengals. We beat ourselves. And with that, my concern with when you win and you win three to four to five a game, you have this win streak, there is some complacency on your behalf. Now, the exception will be, and I have to laugh, is this Bengal team. Every single angle we put in front of them, they come back and straighten it out. They, they're not supposed to win with three tackle, three, three uh, linemen out. They've lost their cover guy. They've lost just so many combinations. They've played, they played in Buffalo, New York, Tom. You're not supposed to win, but they do not get the memo. For some reason, they do not answer the mail. They don't open up the emails, and they don't get it, man. And they just go out and play their game. So I, I think they can beat Kansas City if they play their games. But Kansas City is, again, just as talented as the Bengals. They have a quarterback that's just as good, if not better, than Joe Burrow. They have talent all around him. It's going to be another great game. All right, my friend. We thank you so much for your insight, Tim McGee. Thanks for your time, buddy. I appreciate your time as always. Thanks for having me on. All right, buddy. Tim McGee, that guy's on his game, man. He knows his stuff. He does. I love going in the locker room with him, you know, because that's a guy that's in there. And I loved what he said about the script and about getting players to focus who know they're going to get the ball. I find that so interesting. You know, I mean, if you're a guy in there, let's say those script, yeah, and look, if you're a coach, based on what he just said, right, that means for the Bengals you make sure – there's a play somewhere in there where Mixon's going to carry it. Burrow's going to touch it every play. But Chase, Hurst, Higgins, Boyd, you know, make everybody in that first 15 or 20, whatever it is they're scripting, everybody knows early on that they're going to have a chance to put their hands on that ball and make something big happen in a huge, now AFC championship game setting. I'm going to ask Brian Billick a little bit about that because he had to do the same thing. I mean, he's got Randy Moss. And he's got all these other guys running around that are great players and had to script that whole thing as the offensive coordinator. Uh, I believe Dennis Green was a head coach back in those days uh, before Brian became a head coach. Um, but, you know, he also brought up a very interesting point about, you know, it scares you a little bit when a guy knows like Mahomes. He's hurt, but now he's going to have to just focus on, on probably keeping things incredibly simple if he can't be at 100%. And this is exactly razor-focused on what he has to do. Yeah, and I think a big part of the reason why Bengals have beaten Patrick Mahomes is because they've been able to contain him in the pocket when he tries to run around. And that wastes time, he, his eyes go down. Now that he's just going to be in the pocket, I don't, I don't know. I mean, 
their offensive line's really good. Maybe they rely more on the run game, but that's kind of running into our strength. Um, but I don't know if it's running into their strength. I, I don't know. I, I've said all along, and Baltimore proved my point. I'm not so sure that the Bengals' strength is run defense. I think they're incredibly well coached. I, I love the way Anarumo mixes it up. He kept it, as I mentioned, very conservative on defense. And you knew that early on. They were going to play back. And then when they got in the red zone, then we're, they, they, they seemed to have an incredible ability to focus and hold team to field goals. Only one touchdown in the whole game for Buffalo yesterday, right? But Baltimore ran the ball. Well, I, I don't disagree with you there. I think, I think what Baltimore did was really just run away from DJ Reader. If you can get to the outside, to the tackles, run off tackle in between the in the tackles and the guard, um, you're 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 gonna have at least some more success than you would than just running it straight up the middle. Um, and I also think you know Sam Hubbard still was kind of hurt. Same thing with Hendrickson; they're not able to seal the edge as well as they would be if they were fully healthy. Um, Hendrickson with his wrist and Hubbard with the ankle. I don't know if they're fully healthy now. I don't know. Um, just from watching the game in Buffalo, I mean, they still wasn't able to uh, contain very well. Um, they were able to bounce it out quite a few times, especially with Josh Allen. So, um, you know, I, I would consider that the Bengals' strength. But as of late, Cam Taylor Britt has been really stepping up. Same thing with Eli Apple. Our our pass defense has been doing really well, even without Ouzier, which is really surprising. Um, Eli Apple has played good football for this team. Yes, he has. He's a lightning rod, and look, if you don't like him, I get it. He's an Ohio State guy, and so I tend to like some of those guys. But yeah, I mean he (laughs) he can he can make you crazy, man. I mean he can make you crazy, right? With some of the stuff he says. And I will say one thing about the guy. He doesn't back down to anybody. And I mean, he was a guy. Now, I know they double sometimes and they move guys over sometimes. Stephon Diggs was an afterthought in this game. Yeah. yeah. And Eli Apple's a guy. I loved Apple's comments after the game yesterday, among many he had. He said, just go look up the numbers. Just go look up the stat sheet. We can talk about everything you want to talk about. Just go look at the statue. And, I mean, they were just making plays after plays. I mean, I can still picture the, the tomahawk chop. Uh, Gabriel Davis down the sideline, he just bobbles it out of his hand. And um, they were able to get pressure on Josh Allen and make him not throw accurate deep down the field, even when guys were, you know, somewhat open. I would, but, I mean, they, they did their job. They did a really good job. I thought the, the defense – I'm not really concerned about the defense. No. I'm more concerned about the offense versus the Chiefs. Um, just the offensive line will still continue to be in question until they prove otherwise against a, you know, a top 10 defensive line. Because that let, – let's be honest here. That defensive line was not great. I mean, we were looking up the numbers earlier. They were – 27th in run defense. They were 27th or 28th in run defense. 27th in pass rushing since Von Miller's been gone. Um, Chiefs are better than that. Well, and that's right. I mean, the the Chiefs statistically on the year, points allowed, you know, all those kinds of things, yards allowed, they're not the same galaxy with Buffalo. 
over the course of 17 weeks. But over the uh, 18, but over those those 18 weeks, um, things change. Guys get hurt. Um, guys come in that, that were backups that, that don't do anything, or guys come in that were backups that are really good players. You know, the Bills had had a lot of injuries on ID. You heard Tim, it's no excuse. It's not alibying for the Bills in any form or fashion. They got the tails kicked by the Bengals yesterday. The only area Kansas City is better than minus Von Miller of Buffalo is getting after the quarterback. They've got some decent pass rushers. Yeah. And they're, they're able to get after guys. They are, um, I think, second. Second only to the Eagles. And I think they finished the season with 55 sacks. Um, they're able they, – they do a really good job at blitzing. And these linemen, if they if the same five guys start, they got to really have their their X's and O's straightened out, their P's and Q's. You know, they got to have them figured out. They got to know when they got to pass a guy off in a stunt. They got to know to protect the inside first, you know, identify the, the blitzer. All those things. And Joe Burrow, too, included in that. He's got to, you know, they got to figure it out. And I think they will. I think they'll do a good job. I just, you know, you worry that they haven't all been together for long enough to, to know each other. Tom, I was waiting to bring this up, but since the chat asked, I'll just ask it now. I am ready to hit the button. Don't, don't, don't even go but there. I, I know where I, you're going, and I'm not going there. But I know it's probably going to take a Super Bowl. Is it going to take the Super Bowl? If they get back to the Super Bowl, we'll get there. Back to the Super Bowl. They win this weekend. Really? I thought, see, I thought it was going to take a Super Bowl win. Nope. Nope. They got to beat the Chiefs. First time in franchise history. Back-to-back uh, -back years, they've won playoff games. First time in franchise history, obviously. Back-to-back -back AFC championship games. I have been the first guy that has said all along, I stand by what I said about Zach Taylor before this year. I thought too often they did not come to play at the start of games. Last year they were having to come back from behind and win a ton of games, right? Didn't play the offensive line this year in the first or the, in the entire preseason together. Even though you had four new starters from last year, they give up 13 sacks the first two games of the year. Lost both of those games. Think about those two games and the Baltimore game where he got cute inside the five down there. Yeah. Okay? They win one more of those games, just one of those three games. They're playing at Paycor Stadium this Sunday because they beat the Chiefs in the regular season. That game would be here this weekend yeah. so i stand by all that but i'm also a guy that can try to grow and learn a little bit okay and pay attention and change your mind we're all able in this world to change our mind only a stubborn fool says i think this and no matter what i'm standing by that that's a stubborn fool because events change things change times change people change what Zach Taylor has done this year has been unbelievable, off the charts. He's hired the right coaches. He's been the CEO. He keeps the team focused. He's clearly ready in the game plan. This year, unlike last year, they come out and take it to teams right from the get-go. And it all changed when he flipped the script on getting the ball first. 
That's when everything changed. They have not lost a game since that happened. Yeah, they stopped playing scared. I agree. And then they decided, look, they said it last year. We didn't put the ball in Burrow's hands. We did too many other things. And earlier this year, they're playing all that silly stuff of, you know, the shovel pass to a guy who hadn't touched the ball all year long. You're running wide receiver passes and sending Burrow into the end zone in the Baltimore game. They learned a lesson, and I give them all the credit and him all the credit in the world. He said, we're going back to basics. No more of the nonsense. No more of this stupid stuff. We are going to play, as they say, what got us here. And what got him there was number nine, touching the ball every play, and let him either make the play. If he makes a mistake, hey, you go down with a Titanic, and that's the way it goes. Because he's the man. Right? Agreed. Right. Agreed. So uh, I give it up to the guy. I totally give it up to the guy. There is he some, has done a great job this year. There is something that needs to be addressed that I am going to fully be uh, upfront and, and honest with this. We all picked our playoff brackets. Now, there is something that I'm going to say about my bracket that I, 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 I could not bring myself to say. I'm not superstitious. Jinxes don't exist. But if you know me and you know our, our chatterbox group chat or, or whatever and what I send around, every week on Sunday Night Football, I always look and see what everybody picks, right? And I see how many times all the picks line up in the same spot. You know, if everybody picks the same pick and you see that same team panel all the way across and you're thinking to yourself, oh, no, that team's toast, right? So we're sitting there. We're going through our bracket. You guys pick. You guys pick. We all had the same bracket, but there was only one thing different. There's only one thing different. I couldn't I couldn't let this happen. I said that the Bills were going to win this game. I said the Bills were going to win the Super Bowl. I said the winner of this Bengals-Bills game was going to win the Super Bowl. I still believe that. I think the Bengals are going to get this thing done. But I did have the Bills you did. Out, out of this game as the one difference, uh, as, as the one differing opinion, just so that there was a little, a little texture to the uh, – are you trying to say that you... A little you, texture to it. Again, he's growing as a man. He's allowed to say look, that. I'm not, I mean, look, he's admitting his mistakes. There's people in the chat that are going to bring that up, and I'm not going to shy away from it. I did pick the Bills pre-playoffs, but I did pick the Bengals handily, and I won 16 units on the Bengals yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, I got to tell you, I, I can't remember what I ended up picking all the way through. I had the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I can't remember who it is against. But I hope it was against a team that if they get to the Super Bowl, it's who they're going to be playing. And that is the Philadelphia Eagles. That is a big-time team. Oh, they put a clinic. I mean, when they've got Jalen Hurts, we all forget. When he was healthy, he was the best player on by far the best team. He misses a couple of games. They lose. They bring him back so they can nail down the number one seed. He's not 100%. He's, dude, that team, they got it going on. Yeah, they do. I know the 49ers won, uh, and the 49ers have had a phenomenal year. I mean, it's a great story. I mean, everything about the 49ers, it's a great story. They're on their third-string quarterback. Last guy drafted, right, a year ago, nine months ago, and he's undefeated. The Cowboys defense got after. They came to play yesterday. 
Dan Quinn's not going to be there very long. He's going to get another chance to be a head coach as their defensive coordinator. Agreed. But uh, that was the greatest. Your boy Danny Dime. Oh, it was bad. It was Danny bad. Dump. Yeah, he was bad. I mean, come on. <laughs> I had Good on. Lord. I had him last in my quarterback power rankings on the box lunch on Friday, and boy, it showed. He was. Yeah, the Danny Dimes, not good. Yeah, I mean, this Eagles, if you look at this team from top to bottom, is there a weakness at all? On the Eagles? I don't think there is. Yeah, they're good. They, they've got every position has a starter or better, like elite to star. You want to play the 49ers. You do? Yeah, I, right. I, I, I don't know about that. Between I the Eagles and the 49ers? I, you know. I mean, I know we're getting ahead of our skis here. You have to beat the Chiefs. But I like, know that. Let's just do I, I, this for I tell a you, I, just, I see that pass rush, man, for the 49ers. The Eagles is just. I know the worse. Eagles is. But, but, but there's just. It seemed like the second Dak Prescott caught the ball in shotgun. That there was somebody all over him. I just don't. You know, I don't know what to read out of it. Maybe the Philadelphia thing. Maybe I'm getting a little carried away. I don't know. How the Giants won a playoff game, I will never know. Well, the Vikings were frauds first. They didn't play at 1 o'clock. Tom, God, come on. I mean, come on. The <laughs> Giants, it's a nice story. They had a nice year, but good Lord. That's the one thing you have to say. Here we are, and this is what you always hope for. A lot of people in the world, they like to root for the underdog, and I am too. I get it. But we, without question, it is not even debatable. We have the four best teams in the NFL playing this weekend. And you know how crazy it is that we play this entire NFL season, and, and it, it was a very good NFL season, a competitive season, a lot of parity in the league, and we still end up with 75% of the same championship weekend as last year. Eagles and Rams are the only difference. Yep. yep. Otherwise, it's the same three teams. Um, I'm reminded, by the way, Brian reminds me, and you just said it, Casey, the Eagles lead the NFL in sacks. Yeah, I mean, I was b about to bring it up. The We thought Saxonville was a thing. The Eagles have 70 sacks, I think. And Hassan Reddick and that front four are just nasty. I mean, I watched enough to, to know that, that I don't want to see that. I'd rather take my chances with a Bosa and, and another guy. All right, away. so an early gut feel. Paul asks this question every single week, and we got all week to talk about this, and we are able to change our minds because we're not making our picks yet. Early gut, Philly v. San Francisco. Who do you like? I mean, I, th I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the game just because I think they got a better quarterback. Um, but, I, I mean – um, yeah, the, their their scheme and the players that they have around, it's just too it's too hard to take away something from them without giving up too much of something else. Yeah. If you put eight in the box, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith are going to kill you. If you play the nickel package, Miles Sanders and that offensive line for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. They're going to ground and pound you. And the defense, I mean, you can't, you can't run on them because their front four is just nasty and tenacious. 
If you try to throw the ball at all, Hassan Reddick and that group can get after you too. I mean, and not to mention Darius Slay. And they've got an, uh, another guy, I'm pretty sure, too. I can't remember his name uh, off the top of my head. But he's been playing really well, too. That secondary, they can lock down some people, too. Well, the only thing, the only difference between the two, and we can talk about the numbers and stats and all those kind of things. I don't recall this year, after about the third or fourth week of the season, since San Francisco got on this, this winning streak, I don't recall them serving up 27, 34, 40 points, something like that in a game. That has happened to Philadelphia. That has happened this year. Even as they've been steamrolling everybody, and they were what they were for a while, 13, 14, and 1, something like that, right? The something Eagles, like that yeah, at one yeah. time. Um, but there were games where they would win, but they'd give up a few. All right, but let's talk to Brian Billing. Uh, great to have him with us, former Super Bowl winning head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. And Brian, everybody here in Cincinnati, so excited again. Uh, a, a complete and thorough domination of the Bengals over the Bills. Were you surprised? I'm not going to say easily. That's a wrong word. Were you surprised at how overwhelmingly dominant the Bengals were of the Bills in that game? Yeah, like everybody, and it was on, it was on the front lines, offensive and defensive line. You know, we talked about the concern going in, the vulnerability of the of Bengals' offensive line because of injuries. And yet they were just, like you said, I mean, there's no other word for it, dominant, both in the running game, in protection, uh, on the road, in Buffalo. So that, that uh, you know, I think it's a fair assessment. You know, we keep talking about, well, the Bengals for real. And yeah, they're building off last year. And Joe Burrow's really good. No, they, they are. They're, they're the best team in the AFC, from, from my money, uh, including Kansas City. Now, we're, we're going to find out. And it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a hell of a game. But, but I think when you size them up with Burrow and the weapons and now the offensive line, their ability to run the line, run the ball, what they did with their defensive line uh, across the board, I think you give pretty much all the checks to Cincinnati. I asked Tim McGee this question a little while ago, Brian. You've been in this position, maybe not to this extent, where you lose three starters over the course of three weeks and you're going into Buffalo with three brand new guys. One guy starting at left tackle, although he played it in college, first time in his NFL career uh, in Jackson Carmen. If you get you know, Jonah Williams back this week, 85%, whatever it might be, uh, Kappa's had a great year as a starting right guard, but, you know, he injures his ankle, he comes back, maybe he's 80 85%. Would you keep that same group in there that dominated Buffalo yesterday and not make any changes? Why not? Because you're going to face a, a group that I don't think is as good as, as the Buffalo front seven. Uh, I don't, and nothing against Kansas City and Steve Spagnuolo does a great job, but I don't think they have the talent along their front seven that Buffalo had. So I don't know why you wouldn't go continue to go with those guys because they're confident now. They're feeling good about themselves. They, we, they, we've seen that they have a good, solid scheme uh, against Kansas City that they're com uh, confident in. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd stay with those guys. Yeah, I've, I've had, I've had where I've lost three of my five starting offensive linemen. Now I went five and eleven. <laughs> so reference <laughs> point, uh, but. But, um, yeah, it's impressive what they were able to do. And they're going to go in with Kansas City. That's the biggest thing. They're going in with confidence, which is hard to do to go into Kansas City, not just because of the game they came off of, but because of the way they played Kansas City before. 
And so, yeah, they, this is uh, this is going to be this is going to be very interesting. All right, I want to get away from the Bengals for a minute, and I want to talk to you about um, a couple of other issues that are going to be out there in the league. I think we all agree quarterbacks get too much of the credit oftentimes, and oftentimes <laughs> they take too much of the heat. Uh, let's start with Josh Allen. When this season started, everybody thought, hey, this is a guy. Uh, you said it a little while ago, you know, uh, about Burrow, and you know, everybody thought Mahomes and Allen, who's the best, who's the better of the two? Burrow's not even in the conversation. Uh, now Allen, uh, they lose at home. Uh, it's, a, it's a second year in a row now where they don't get even to the AFC championship game. Um, what do you think's going on up there in, in Buffalo, at least in his mind, or with a franchise's mind? Well, as you let in with, yeah, it's always hard to separate the play of a quarterback from what's going on around him. He did not play well. I still think he's an outstanding talent. I think he's still in the same caliber of Mahomes and Burrow, but he's had he needs to step up in these big games. That's the next challenge for him. He, we've seen him perform in the big games. Uh, the other night, I think it was more I, I, I give credit to Cincinnati more than I think that the Buffalo and Josh Allen didn't play well. I think Cincinnati just dominated. They dominated on the front seven. They couldn't run the ball. Um, Cincinnati just chewed up the clock every time they got the ball. And and Buffalo showed, and they responded. Every time Buffalo kind of got something going, then Cincinnati responded. So I don't think that's all Josh Allen. I think they're legitimate questions, and I think they will be asked until he can get them into the championship game and win and go to a Super Bowl. Uh, but I don't think it's an indictment of Josh Allen. I still think he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. All right. What about Dak Prescott? That one's uh, that one's interesting. Clearly, you know the 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 up and the down and coming off the big game that they had. And now th that was an outstanding 49er group, and it was on the road. Okay, fair enough. But still, uh, he's got to step up in the big games, and and so far he has not. Um, and same thing with Josh Allen. Until he does, it's a legitimate question. And, um, and the, you know, their offensive line needs to, to, to get back to where it is a team that can run the ball at when they want to, at will, uh, to augment now the play actions because they've certainly got the big play receivers down the field. Uh, but no, those are legitimate questions. I don't think you bail on them. I don't think it's all of a sudden, okay, Dak, Al Dak Prescott can't play and should Dallas go another direction. But he's going to have a, a, a tough off season, having to come into this next year and show that he is indeed that guy consistently. And the hard part will be he can do it all during the regular season. And I will say, okay, great, but let's see what happens in the postseason. So we really won't be able to answer the question until we get into next year's postseason. Um, getting back to the, the, the Tim McGee conversation for a minute, and I, I found it interesting, but you're a guy who actually had to sit down and do it. Uh, and, and we were talking that ever since Zach Taylor decided that in the coin flip, about halfway through the year, he decided from now on, if we win the coin flip, we're taking the ball first. We're not doing this stuff, but we're deferring anymore to the second half. And it is led by and large uh, a huge part of this winning streak that's knocking on the door at 10 in a row now. They get the ball first. They seem to go down the field almost every single game and jump on the opponent with an opening touchdown. But, but to the scripting of the plays, when you were the offensive coordinator, later the head coach, walk us through 
scripting the first 15 plays because it seems like the Bengals now they got to execute but it seems like that they have been nearly flawless in the start of games knowing they're scripting the first 10 15 25 plays well let's go back to the history of it it began with Bill Walsh in Cincinnati when Paul Brown was the head coach and Paul Brown would sit down with Bill on Sunday mornings and say okay what are your openers give me your your 15 to 20 openers and then, and Bill, being the coach that he was, was always going to be ready for that conversation. We thought, well, if if, if I'm going to do that, well, I'll share it. Well, let's share it with the team on Saturday night, and talk through what my opening calls are. And if we're going to do that, let's orchestrate earlier in the week so we can actually practice the sequence. So everybody does that. I think it's some people misunderstand. It doesn't mean you just have the first 15 plays. It what it had what it means is here are your opening plays on first down. Second down, second long, second medium. Is it a first down to open a series? Is it a first down after a big play? Is it a first down after uh, a second and third down conversion? Here's my first third and one. Here's my first third and two to three. Here's my first three, third and four to five, uh, four to six. Here's my first third, seven to ten. Here's my first third and eleven plus. So it's not just, it's not just okay. Here's play one. Here's play two. Here's okay. Here's my opening play to start the series. All right. Here's my first second long if I don't get anything. If I get a good, if let's say it's a run, a good second medium. Okay, here's my here's my first second medium play. Here's a third medium. So, and and it works its way all the way down. Okay, if I get into the, the plus 40, all right, here's my first vertical. Did, is it the first vertical after a big play or is it a vertical after I've earned my way there? And then now when you get down to the red zone. So it's a series of opening plays, one place off the other. And yes, you script personnel and formation and whatever but it's not just here's the first 15 plays here's the first two or three plays in these categories and how I will play off them and they have been brilliant and as long as they're having and they and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy they're confident they feel good about it I'd keep doing it no it's great until you get your first three and out and now all of a sudden that flips the script and you've given your your, your defense you know in a tougher field position but the way that offense is clicking, I understand totally wanting to take the ball to start the game. Um, what, what, you know, and it, it, Tim thought it was important that what it did, Brian, was is that, you know, it, back when he played, and, and Sam Weiss was the head coach. You knew Sam, coach uh, against Sam, offensive-minded guy, much like yourself. Uh, both of you great innovators, offensive thinkers. Um, you know, you, you had Boomer Esiason, you had James Brooks, you had Icky Woods, you had Chris Collinsworth, you had Tim McGree, you had Eddie Brown, you had Rodney Holman, you, had, you know, all these, all these weapons, right? Just like you had in Minnesota. Tim thought it was very important in, in the, that quote-unquote scripting of plays that, that every guy at least knew they were involved in those first scripting of plays from an individual standpoint. Did you try to do that? Because, I mean, the easiest thing in the world, right? Would have thrown the ball ten times to, to Randy Moss, but you had other yeah, pretty good players you around. Involved. You want to get everybody involved, right? You don't want it to, to go all of a sudden. That that's where you where all of a sudden uh, a team gets uh, criticized for not running the ball enough, or not throwing it enough, or not going to this guy or that guy. When you get back to it, it's they're in a bunch of three and outs. Well, you can't get anything going when when you don't have that kind of rhythm. You're going to have a play. I always had a place on my grand game plan. Here's a Randy Moss box. Here's a Chris Carter box. Here's a Robert Smith box to, to go to, to get them involved, uh, particularly in critical situations. And in, in the case of of, uh, of of Cincinnati, you got a lot of boxes, which is good. You know, you got a Hearst box, you got a, a Chase box, you got a Higgins box, you got a lot of boxes in there to get them involved. 
because you want to do that. Now, you can't get to them all, and it's never perfect. You also get a sense of, because every defense at some point is going to come in, and you start to get a rhythm. Okay, who is it they're going to stop? Okay, if they, you, defensive, I said, you can stop anything you want offensively. I, you, I don't care who it is. I can stop it. The question is, at what price? I can, I can shut down Jamar Chase in a New York second. But am I going to get now beat up with Higgins and Hurst and Joe Mixon? So the question becomes, who are they trying to take away? And now what are your answers to that as well? And that's tough for the player. And he's got to recognize, okay, it's hard for me to get going here because, you know, Chase, they're, they're, they're doubling me. They're bracketing me. They're rolling everything to my side. That's why you saw, saw Hurst was, was so effective because clearly – uh, in Buffalo, they're going okay. We're gonna we're gonna double or a bracket chase, and we're not gonna let Higgins get going. Well, that meant one on one. You had a great matchup with Hurst, so that's a good job with Joe, Bo, Joe, uh, Joe Burrow recognizing. Okay, well, you want to do that? We're gonna do that. I got an answer for it, or I'll run the ball to Joe Mixon, and and so they. That's the good thing is they have an answer. He can go whatever box he needs to once he gets a sense of who they're trying to take away. You know, uh, Brian. Before we let you get out of here, you. you the, we had Kenny Anderson on last week, um, and, and he was talking about how selfless this Bengal team is from an offensive standpoint, walking through the example you just gave. You know, if Jamar Chase has a game where he has three or four catches for 48 yards, you never hear the guy complaining after the game. You never see him walking up and down a sideline and throwing his hands up in the air. Tyler Boyd was the number one receiver on this team two years, three years ago before Burrow showed up. He, he's almost an afterthought as a number three guy, a damn good number three guy, but he's almost an afterthought now with Chase and Higgins and on and on and on and on. It leads me to Stephon Diggs yesterday. Yeah. I mean – you know, I asked a question, Brian, before you came on here today. I, I don't know when all this stuff changed. And there have been, quote, unquote, divas through the years, whether it was, you know, Des Bryant or, or what's the guy's name the Bengals had for a year here? Yeah, Terrell Owens. Uh, you know, Brian, I, look, you had a guy that was as demonstrative as anybody in Chris Carter. I mean, that guy felt like he should have had the ball. You, you, you've forgotten more about this than I have. But he felt he should have been getting the ball every single play, right? But, but, but for Diggs in the fourth quarter, two minutes to go, the game's all but over. They were really never even in the game. But here it was, a fourth down, their last possession. Allen throws it to somebody else besides him, and he's walking over on the sideline, throwing his hands in the air, yelling and screaming, walks in the locker room, grabs all his stuff, turns around, walks out the door, got to get a teammate to come back and get him. I mean, are we at a point now, you know, nobody criticized him after the game, not McDermott, none of his teammates, none of that kind of stuff. How would you handle that on Monday morning? That is a tough one because, and every group is capable of it. The group that you're talking about in Cincinnati, the group I had in Minnesota at the time, because you were winning. And they recognized that that there was a strength that the better Chris Carter does, the better Randy Moss is going to do, the better it opens up for Robert Smith to run the ball. It's all, you know, so, and they understand that balance. And you're winning. It's when all of a sudden, like in Buffalo, when you hit that rough spot, and now, you know, it was real simple, and, and you, you don't want to get in a tit-for-tat for that, but the answer for Josh Allen's as simple as I didn't go to you because there were three guys on you on that down, okay? 
this was the only option because obviously give them some credit. You know, Cincinnati went and said, we're not going to let you throw the ball here. Okay, so that that's part of it, too. And and you're right. It, we're in the age of the diva receiver and all the guys you talked about. And and that doesn't mean the group in Cincinnati under tougher times that doesn't present itself. It's human nature. It's the classic players jumping on the soapbox going, I confess he did it, you know, type of mentality. And it's replete and everybody's capable of it and happens in tough times. Um but the precursor to it is saying, guys, when, if you don't do that, that leads to the good times. But but in today's uh, world and with the athletes you have, it's just uh, no. I, I you, you try to you know you you try to approach it calmly. Hopefully, saner heads prevail. You get them back in. You kind of talk through it and show them. Uh, and now, if he wants to carry that further forward, that's that's his choosing. But uh, that's not a good thing because it's selfish. And there's a reason Josh Allen didn't go there. Josh Allen wants to get you the ball. That's been proven. Okay. But there's, you got to give the other side credit as well. Uh, all right. Before I let you go, how was the bowl game? Great fun. You know, I love, I love coaching the hula bowl because these kids need that game. Uh, sometimes you get into the all-star games, you got the top end guys and they're going to be top picks and they really don't want to play. These kids are going to be back in, you know, if they're lucky second, more likely third day of the draft, undrafted free agents. Uh, had a good group of quarterbacks. I had Tanner Morgan from Minnesota, all of them. Uh, uh, Holt Aylers from Eastern Carolina, and then Sean uh, 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 from uh, Penn State. Good kids and smart and unique. They were all guys that played their entire careers there. Sean Clifford at Penn State. Uh, good, mature, great leaders. Just great fun to be around. They played very, very well. Uh, they all got to play a lot, so it's fun, fun, fun bowl to be a part of. All right, give me, give me one name. I know you're not around these guys all the time, and you don't see them, you know, over a training camp or something. But, 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 give me maybe one name that we can just kind of keep an eye out for when the draft comes around, where you say, you know what, I saw enough of this guy to think maybe, maybe here, there might be a little something that somebody's overlooking. Well, last year I had Pacheco. And didn't know, you know, he was a running back and a good, good, solid runner. But you're rolling all the guys through because you want to get them all their reps. And you could see, boy, this is good. And was good all week. Had no idea it was going to be that good for Kansas City. This uh, uh, this kid, Christopher, I think it's Join Jones or Christopher Lloyd. I'm terrible with names. Uh, the running back from BYU okay. ended up being MVP. He's pretty good. Good out of the backfield. Uh, good song, physical runner. Uh, the Cooks kid, the wide receiver from uh, from San Jose State. Uh, uh, showed he could he could, he had some play about him. Have a couple a couple good tight ends. Turner from Toledo uh, was really good, and Ezekiel from uh, UCLA. So uh, there were some good some good kids in the game. Good. All right, Brian. Thanks as always for your time, my friend. Have a great rest of your week. All right, sounds good. All righty, Brian Billick, kind enough to join us. Super Bowl winning head coach. He joins us every week. We certainly appreciate his time very very much. Love getting that inside football stuff. Um, all right, let's take a break. Uh, anything on the chat interesting here today? Well, there I, seems like to be a lot of bickering going on about something. I'm not, I don't even know what it's about. I'm not, I'm not so much worried about the chat, but, Tom, I am going to say something that the chat might not like. Ooh, all right. I'm, I'm going to say it, and I apologize if it hurts anybody's feelings, but I'm going to say it. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Georgia and the Kirby Smart deal with how he had kind of incepted the the Georgia Bulldogs into believing that they were going to go seven and five this year and that they proved a lot of people wrong 
Well, there was some comment made yeah. by a player. Well, yeah, a player, and everybody said, man, he must be the greatest motivator of all time to make that Georgia Bulldogs team believe that they could go 7-5. and five. The ticket refund thing is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Every team sells tickets before a game to other games. You could have bought Bengals-Jaguars tickets at Paycor before this game. I don't understand what the refund Well, you better is. talk to Brandon I don't, I don't under, he's the one that's all up I don't understand it. Like, it's contrived motivation, and that's fine. That's fine. Now, what I will say, Dollar, is the, uh, is the, um, is the coin flip. If, if you want to do a, a general, you know, NFL out to get us coin flip kind of thing, like, hey, we had to go back and you know, like what Zach Taylor did. Yeah. I appreciated that yeah. more than the whole refund thing. Yeah. Because the refund thing is the, a part of the NFL business. You can buy March Madness tickets ahead of time before you know where a team's going to play. You can buy AFC Championship game tickets. I don't really get the whole ticket refund well, don't thing, you think if for no other reason it, it, it's just strictly a motivation it is no thing. but that's what i'm saying but that's exactly my point with the with kirby smart and the bulldogs where you have to find motivation from somewhere and you get it from that that's fine that's that's fine yeah and zach taylor went on and uh, made the comment after the game he's like i'm so sorry we have screwed up so many logistics for so many people that is what zach taylor said is exactly I completely agree with, with what he said. You go out there, you throw in 20 seconds of sarcasm and say, screw your coin flip. Perfect. See, That's this is the I stuff guys like Casey get worked up about. This stuff about the selling the tickets. And, <laughs> and him and Seho, they're the ones that get all worked up about this nonsense. But, hey, if you can use it to your advantage, more power to sure. Jack Taylor, more power to the franchise. Uh, Katie Brown, Katie Blackburn. Did a phenomenal job representing the Bengals franchise when the owners were changing the rules. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get using it as motivation, yeah, right? if, but you're spot. All right, you guys take it for a second. All right. All right. Roll that. It's that time of the show. <laughs> that time of the show. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. We're out of there in time. Look at that. Out of there in time. Uh, let's see. So we already talked about we already talked about going to Buffalo. Um, Casey, was there anything else on your mind about you know anything? Maybe what, maybe what? you didn't get a chance to respond to that take right there. Is there was there anything with that with the yeah. tickets take? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I didn't think it was great motivation either. But you find motivation in the littlest things, and I think they were more upset about the coin flip than anything. I agree. I mean, just from listening to some of their interviews beforehand, it seemed like they were still upset with the league about that. Yeah, and I think it's rightfully so. Honestly, I still think that it was a you know bush league that they did that to them and that there wasn't a coin flip for this game but that's okay <laughs> we're, we're we're on to the next team and i'm just sitting here trying to imagine what a coin flip looks like are we talking about like a friday night lights i said this the other day uh, yeah are we talking about a friday night lights thing where the kansas city and cincinnati meet up in some random you know gas station in Terre haute indiana and, you know, Joe Daneman goes out there with the lead sports anchor from Kansas City and they set up their tripod and it's looking at the ground oh, and they flip a coin and then all of a sudden, boom, the AFC championship is at Paycor. I'm just trying to wrap my head around what that would have looked like. God, dude. I mean, 
they, they what a ridiculous the league, concept. The league, the league is lucky that all the things that happen pretty much led to a reg, like a normal playoff season. Like, could you imagine the neutral site stuff or doing the coin flip thing? Like, how many people would just call bullcrap on whatever the the coin landed on or well, how they would even like well imagine if it was roger goodell flipping the coin <laughs> and it landed on kansas city i mean oh just God. just picture that scene but uh in regards to the to the afc championship and the, and the neutral site and everything i do think you know all jokes aside about the tickets being sold and the refunds and and i'm and the other thing too i don't want to take away from all the fun because let me tell you what i was clipping the i was clipping the joe burrow thing i was clipping the you know i, I went back i watched all i, I loved it I just thought it was kind of funny because, you know, but uh, but all jokes aside about that, this is a massive, massive win for fans of the NFL to not have this game at a neutral site. Because if this would have worked out, if they would have gone down to Mercedes-Benz, if they would have played that game between the Bills and the Chiefs, it would have been a mini Super Bowl. And, and, and some people that argue that the AFC is better than the NFC may have said it was the Super Bowl. Right, if if the AFC team would right. have gone on to win, they would have said, "Well, it, it was the Super Bowl," just like you talk about with Georgia and Ohio State from the college semifinal this year. This is a massive, massive win for the NFL fan to not have had to endure the potential of of future neutral site games down the road. This right. is this is a huge win for the NFL fans because I could there's a there is a very realistic and easy world where the AFC championship or, or, or the championships in general are played at a neutral site. That's yeah. not going to happen now. The guy's name that I was wrong about that showed up this week was Blue Libra. Blue I think Libra. that's the Bills fan. Oh, I don't remember. We I think it back. is, and I give it up to the guy. I give it up. He showed up today. So well done. I give it up to both of them. Two Bills fans on the chat last week. Um... And we said, hey, look, after the game, win or lose, you got to show up. You got to show up. And so they did. Um, and so thanks for coming back. All right, boys. Um, real quick, Paul, shifting gears. And I know everything is all Bengals all the time. I get it. I'm on board. I get it. Yeah. Um, Xavier over the weekend beats Georgetown. Yep. I watched parts of that game. Um, and it was a back and forth, obviously very high scoring game yeah. for both teams. Apparently Sean Miller, not happy with his team. Yeah. I mean, he absolutely ripped Xavier's defensive effort to shreds, which is deservedly. So they didn't play very well defensively. They haven't played very well defensively. And the biggest issue is that it's always been the opposing point guard, Georgetown's point guard, Primo Spears. He had 37 points in this game and the opposing point guard playing against Xavier has averaged 22 and a half points per game this season I mean that just can't happen now the the MO for Xavier has just been they go out and outscore the other team uh, but that's not sustainable when you get down the road in March so you can get through the early games the home games things like that but when you get down the road in March and you're trying to win to advance to a sweet 16 you're gonna have to lock up you're gonna have to be able to defend and even Xavier's best defensive player, Colby Jones, didn't have a great game. That was that was discouraging. Uh, overall, pretty fun weekend of college hoops. I, UC had an exciting one yesterday. They fell short. They were they were small home favorites. Um, lost to Memphis. That's a tough one at home. That's a game UC really needed. Um, UC still doesn't have a win in the top two quads this season. 
So that's that's a tough one for UC at home. They have five quad one games left. Um, the the Houston game away, the USF game or UCF game, and then I think it's five quad one and quad two games left. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a fun weekend. Kansas got blown out at home against TCU, which that's now the third year in a row Kansas has had a blowout like that one every year. It's it's kind of just a weird anomaly. Kansas plays Baylor tonight, big Monday game. That's that's a huge one. Um, but yeah, college basketball, I mean, you get into conference season and right now I know, like you said, we're talking a lot about the Bengals and obviously as, as we should with, uh, the NFL and everything, but you're starting to get into the heat of conference season and, and you turn on a game on, on these weeknights. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I give you all the credit in the world for watching it. I, I, I just can't watch it anymore. I, I, you know, the, 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 the regular season games are by and large, they're, they're meaningless. What? They, they what? are, they're, they're meaningless. What are you talking about? They're meaningless because so many teams make the tournament. I'm talking about for the top 30 teams. Their regular season, you know, now, are you playing for seeding in the tournament? Of course you are. Of course. Okay? But at the end of the day, nobody cares. They really don't. What? Nobody cares. This is why You don't have the juggernauts anymore. You don't have the blue bloods. They're there at the top, and some will say outside of Kansas, and some might say, well, that's what makes it great. College basketball is great when Kentucky's great, when North Carolina's great, when Duke is great. Nobody's going to watch Arizona. Nobody cares. Oh, I, li- I lived out I there. Guys, oh, I am telling you right now, there aren't, in our chat right now, there aren't three people that can name two players on Arizona's team. There aren't three people that can name four players on three players on Kentucky's team. Nobody talks about it anywhere you go, except for the 10,000 that sell out the Cintas center and the 9,000 that go to the UC games. I mean, and, and our buddy Seth Davis, (laughs) who we're going to have on the show here soon. I mean, mean, it's not like, Kansas, I mean, it's not It like, is almost like the NBA in hockey. Everybody seemingly makes a tournament. I know that's an oh. exaggeration. But, I mean, come on. Tom, I mean, it's the, the same amount 12, of teams. It's the same amount of teams 12, that have made the tournament. You're for- have, I mean, and the shame of it is, is that you're really not getting the best teams. That's the shame of it. Because every team in the Big 12 should be in the NCAA tournament field. Every one of them. They ought to be in, and they're not going to be. Uh, I, I don't. Every I don't, single one of them should be in the NCAA tournament field without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I don't know if you can put an O in. Does seven. anybody care about UConn? Seriously, they're one of the. They big, were ranked number two in the country, and they can't get out of their own way since then. They won by thirty yesterday. Who did they play? I mean Butler, but they still oh won by thirty. Oh my God! Are we even? How, you shouldn't even have answered that question, Tom. I mean, I, I don't know. know what you want. UConn was a bad example. They've won two national championships in the last. Dude, ten. that is before either one of you were they born. They won in twenty fourteen. Well, that's damn near before you were born. <laughs> I would argue. I would argue back, Tom, that the casual fans will enjoy this basketball season more than the hardcore fans because the hardcore fans are your UK. They're your blue bloods. But the more casual fans, they enjoy parody. They enjoy different seasons. It's and all think- about gamblers. 
the NCAA, the people that follow the basketball, college basketball, are the gamblers right now. You've got people in this town. Paul points out on the chat. He says, I can't name two guys on UC's team. Well, I mean. The people that care about college hoops, Trace Fowler, you, well, you to a lesser extent. No, 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 you. To what? Re, it's guys that are gambling on college basketball. Yeah, but I don't Are have, the ones that care about the sport right now. I mean, yeah, I don't have to gamble on it to care about college basketball. But I, understand I do understand that. your point that. Well, but, but college basketball is a niche sport in general, right? It happens during the end of college football season and through the NFL season. And until your college football team, right? Like Ohio State fans are pissed off at Chris Holtman they right are. now. They are. They should be. Because all they've done is lose since they've been watching the games. They're on a five-game losing. Now, they did win by 16 this weekend against Iowa, saved their season. But... You know, if you're an Ohio State fan that didn't start paying attention to college basketball until Ohio State lost, then all you've seen them do is lose when they had a great November and December. So it, it, uh, it's funny listening to, to the college football or college basketball fans and kind of when they start picking up on the sport because if you're an NFL fan, it's probably whenever your team loses, right? So if you're, if you're paying attention in this town, it's whenever either the Bengals win the Super Bowl or, or you know, whenever the, the Bengals season is done – is when a lot of people then start shifting their focus to paying attention to college basketball. And, I mean, it's not like Duke and – I mean, Duke and North Carolina are still probably going to make the tournament this year. They're going to be in it. Kansas, Kentucky right now looks like they might be on the right track to getting back into the, into the NCAA tournament. So you're probably still going to have all those brands. Yeah, you don't have Villanova. But, like, if you're talking about the teams that have had a ton of success lately, they're not at the top. But – God, look at Alabama. I mean, do you think anybody cares about Alabama? They're selling out every Bas game. Yeah, oh, of course. What the hell are you going to do in Tuscaloosa on a every Tuesday game by night? Twenty. I mean, seriously, do you think anybody cares about Alabama basketball outside of the state of Alabama, or if you got to play them in the SEC? I mean, Kentucky fans would. Do you think anybody? That's a terrible anybody, argument. Till we get to November, what's that? That's a terrible argument. Do you think anyone from Detroit cares about the Bengals right now? Yes, I do, because uh, I think everybody and his that. brother watches the NFL. Uh, absolutely, uh, I, I do. It's a border state. It's, it, 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 they it's, watch it just casually. look at the numbers of they people watch that casually. watch it. They watch it casually and bet on it. Just well, the same thing as college basketball. Listen, here's all I'm saying, okay? When we get to March, it's when people care about college basketball. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's a niche sport. Like, is everybody going to be like me and, and choose to watch college basketball over the NFL unless it's the Bengals? No. I get that. But, you know, like, is everybody going to watch 10 college basketball games a night like I am? No. I get that. But to a certain extent, I mean, if you're, if you're an alumni of a, of a team that is good and relevant or even, I mean, even UC this year, I mean, there's frustration, but look at UC going to the Big 12 next year. I mean, there's... It's it's so it's so hard to make the NCAA tournament that when you get there and you can appreciate the time out time out time out time out. Let me interrupt you there, and then you continue your thought. You're in a second. Did you just say it is so hard to make the NCAA? Look tournament? at Indiana; they've made one tournament since 2015. I, I, I'm not asking you to give me examples. I'm saying, are you telling me it it's is, hard to make yes. the NCAA tournament? If you're in a Power Five conference, if you finish in the middle of the pack, you've got a decent chance to get in. I mean, yeah, but right or wrong, 
a decent chance, yeah, but it's... No, in fact, you have a better than decent chance. You have a good chance if you're in one of the top five power conferences and you are a 500 team in your conference, and if there's 12 teams in a league, you can finish sixth or seventh or eighth and you get in the NCAA tournament. I, I mean, I, I think... True or false? That we're just going to differ because I don't believe No, that. but is that true or false? I mean, depends on what conference. I yeah, just said the of the sixth, top five. If the, you took the ACC, the, now they're a little down this year, but the Big East is definitely down. But if you the take, Big East has more top twenty teams than the Big Twelve right now. But when you watch them, you know they're not. How much do you I mean, watch the Big East? If Tom? the Big East, I can tell you right now. This is what I can tell you. If you took the the third, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth best team. If Xavier played in the Big 12, they'd have five to six losses in the league right But now. everybody does. The Big 12 is so good. Well, that's what you just said to me. You just said they have more teams ranked in it than in the Big I'm 12. Ju- I'm just saying it, the, the narrative that the Big East is down is tired. God, we need to have that button made. It's tired. I can't wait. I can't it's wait. It's tired, I can't Tom. Wait. I can't the wait. The Big 12 is... You're going to tell me Creighton would, would fare well in the Big 12? Creighton? But the Big 12 is like... I mean... They're they're clearly the best conference in the country. They're clear, but I'm saying that the you're like to. You com- think Creighton's better than Kentucky? Yes. Oh yes. Oh my God. Tom, how much? You think Creighton's better than North Carolina? Yes. You, so you're telling me yes. tomorrow you believe if you and you are a gambling man, you're they telling me that if Creighton played North Carolina or Kentucky or I'll throw in Duke. You think if they played tomorrow in a game that got them in the NCAA tournament or they got bounced from the tournament, that Creighton would beat Kentucky, North Carolina, or Duke? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Right now. Fair right enough. now. Yes. Fair enough. Right now. As okay. the teams are playing right now. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. All right. Good enough. Um, we have – we still got to get picks in, right, from the weekend? Still got to go over our picks. Uh, yes, we have them. I mean, do we want to do that now? We can do it now if you want. Okay, let's do it. All right. Okay. Uh, Blue Libra, by the way, I owe you an apology. Blue Libra is a Cincinnati guy born and raised. It was, it was the first guy that I talked about that came back from Buffalo. So, Blue Libra, I owe you an apology. Okay, move on. All right. Uh, here we go. First one was Jags and Chiefs. Jags. Jags. The late field goal. goal. (laughs) Can you believe that? I was with a guy that actually had a lot of money on that game, and he was ready to get sick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like a thousand others, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what it took. Scrappy. (laughs) What have I said all year about these, you know, nine, ten-point games? It's hard to cover those big lines because just so much fluky stuff can happen. Especially in the But you picked Kansas City. I did. I had to zag. All right. I tell you what, that, 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 you know, that game, that game was an interesting game. We didn't talk about that game at all here today. That, we'll you know, the Jags, they fell behind. Kansas City needed, did what they needed to do. Mahomes gets hurt. And, and look, this is why you, you pay backup quarterbacks big money. Yeah, I mean. Right? Or you should. Chad Henney comes in. I mean, if you're a Jaguars fan, you're sitting there going, oh, boy, we got a shot. Mahomes goes out, they punt it. It's at the two-yard line when Henny comes trotting out. And you're thinking, man, we got him right where we want him. 98 yards later, 
touchdown yeah. Kansas City. You know, it's like Chad Henney can take over that offense and, and score, and it's like any quarterback can really take over the Chiefs offense and just go down and score. Henny. But not any quarterback can lead him to five straight AFC championship games. Um, well, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. I mean, think about that. You know, it was written that that that, that Tom Brady took a team to five straight championship games, uh, but he had already bypassed when he did it, being 30 years of age. Same thing with Terry Bradshaw. But to think that Patrick Mahomes is 27 years old, 27 years old, and this will be his fifth straight AFC Conference championship game. He's two and two. All right. All right. On. Next one. <laughs> Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes. Oh, man. <laughs> that was brutal, Paul. Whoa, whoops. <laughs> oof. That's a, oof. <laughs> I, I think I turned this game off. Oh, man. I don't know. I think it was, oh, it was early. <laughs> I did not give this game much time. God, all I needed was for A.J. Brown to score a touchdown, <laughs> too, and I would have paid some serious money. But no, everyone else scored on the team. It's Boy, they look good. Oh, Yeah, they did. Man, do they look good. Uh, and that Sirianni guy has got some fire about him, doesn't he? And he's all jacked up over there on the sideline. Oh, yeah. Should be when you went 38-7. to seven. Sirianni? No. No. Got to no. make it to Super Bowl. Don't, don't go there. I'm not. I'm not all right. It. What do we have uh, next? Cowboys, to Casey, you sw- Casey was. I just want to say, Casey was on the 49ers. Yeah. And I'm not bailing him out, but I am t- saying it. Casey tried to pick up a game here, was on the 49ers, switched live, wanted to pick up a game, and didn't work yeah, out. I mean, I thought the 49ers were going to win. I just had a little hope there towards the end, but the, the Cowboys just, man, the Dak, what, what's. I, can't I, I, get, I just uh, can't believe. I, you know, th- this PR machine of the Cowboys, uh, the Schultz guy might be a great player. I talked about it in the opening monologue. I cannot believe Greg Olson did not light him up in that telecast. Doesn't he seem mentioned like it, but then he let it ride, and maybe there's a lesson to be learned there. But for that play on the sideline, and their chances of scoring were minimal. Okay, they're out of timeouts. They got 45 seconds left. But 49ers are dropping everybody back. Schultz catches the ball. And the rule is, if you don't know, and many of you do know, the rule is the clock will stop if the guy with the ball is running forward and goes out of bounds. Okay, so you can catch the ball, right? Both feet in. Let's say it's on the right sideline. You make a left turn, you make one step forward, and then step out of bounds, the clock will stop. If you do what Schultz did, catch the ball on the sideline, it wasn't like his momentum carried him out of bounds. He caught the ball on the sideline and sidestepped out of bounds, clock keeps rolling. You'd be surprised how many players have played in every sport, and I used to see it all the time in baseball. You'd be surprised how many guys don't know the rules of any sport. You'd be very, very surprised. There are a lot of coaches that don't know. It's hard to keep track of all the rules. It's really hard. But 
That seems to me it would be receiver 101 or offensive player who's going to touch a ball 101. Was that last play one of the most laugh-out-loud funny things you've ever seen in your life? What the hell were they doing? Zeke getting blown up? I mean, if I'm Zeke, I'm just walking off the field. I guess he did. The game was over. But you know what I mean. Like, what was going on? I mean, What were they doing? Yeah, what were they doing? He got railed. I mean, he just got run over. And then Prescott throws the ball high to the receiver where they can't even get a lateral after the catch because he has to jump up in the air and catch it. (laughs) Boy, the Cowboys. That's now, what, two, three years in a row that the Cowboys have mismanaged the end of a game in just spectacular fashion? Well, they had so many other chances in the game. I mean, San Francisco played great defense. San Francisco did not play a great offensive game, and you give the credit to the Dallas defense. We talked about Dallas's defense. Casey did at length last week. They've got a great defense, and they came to play. And Dan Quinn had them ready to play. But, I mean, on offense, uh, you know, the Pollard goes down, breaks his leg. That was horrible, uh, and that was a big hit to the Cowboys. There's no doubt. But, um, I mean, they, they got Lamb, and then that's it. That's it. That's why we're so lucky right now to have the Bengals, the guys they have. How long they're going to have them, I don't know. But to have these weapons that Joe Burrow has is mind-boggling. All right, let me come to the Bengalis. One more. Straight across the board. You guys were singing the song last week. Who did? you'll be singing it again this Friday. Absolutely. Five and a half. So somebody went undefeated this week. I was trying to remember who that is. Oh, Tom, I think it was you. <laughs> Four no week. Man. But that, that would officially mean that Paul has clinched this unless we do something different. Well, we you have- know, boys, uh, like I said last week, I used to play a lot of golf as a younger man. I've not played now in a solid 20 years and don't miss it for a second. But... Um, this is where you break out the old press bet. It is true, but the problem is I think all three, all three of us are probably going to be on the same side of the next three games. Well, then you'd have to you – then if, so if I, you're then behind, you're somebody who better – whatever you pick, they pick different. Pick the Chiefs. Oh, no, you're not oh, catching God, me Tom. doing that. Oh, God. You're not going to catch me picking the Chiefs. Casey, you'd rather lose than pick the Chiefs. I don't blame them. Hey, hey by the way, I've just received a ton, and we're going to have to use this on Wednesday. I, I have some of the most ridiculously unbelievable pictures of Marty Brenneman and Mickey Mouse ears you've ever seen in your life. Oh, no. You don't have it ready? <laughs> you can't send it real quick? Oh, no, we'll, no, we'll, no, we'll no, no. Save, save it for Wednesday. We'll save it for Wednesday. Which, by, by the way, we've got to tape that tomorrow after the show. We good on that? The like Marty Brenneman segment? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can do that. Because he's out in California. That'd be a 7 o'clock. Come on the air. and He's 80. We, we don't want to do that to an 80-year-old guy. Yeah, we can do that. 7 o'clock in the morning. See him rolling out of the rack. Not good. Um, all right. Uh, do we have UDF Jerry on top before we get to yeah, box yes. lunch? We don't have the, the, the lunch boxes out there, by the way. This is an FYI. All right, do we have anything? Yep, we got something for you. All right, what do we got? We have uh, the press conference. Zach Taylor, after the game. He uh, had a lot of choice words to say. And uh, I just want everyone to take a listen. Let's hear it. We had our mindset to go play in Kansas City and, and uh, 
it, 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 is, it is tough because they they have to formulate the plans for coin tosses and they got to formulate the plans for neutral side games and we just keep screwing it up for everybody and I hate that for, for people that have to endure all those logistical issues and then uh, we just keep screwing it up. So I'm sorry. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is pretty funny. I, I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Uh, we're shifting gears. Going over to box lunch. Trace is trying to trying to, you know, kind of rein it all back in after his beloved Jayhawks take a beating from Jamie Dixon and the TCU Horn Frogs. Yeah. Fog Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday in Lawrence, Kansas. Cost me a lot of money. I'm sorry about that. When I was Well, it was it was morning, one of those things where it cost you money. Yeah, I learned a lesson, you know, when you're watching a game and you're like, this isn't going to be sustainable. What I'm watching right now is not going to, it's not going to keep up. TCU, which I don't want to talk about college basketball today. We're not going to get into that. We got a whole slate of uh, football. But when TCU's hit three threes, averages three threes a game, Tom, and they're six for nine in the first half. And, and, and Kansas was like one for 12 on layups. I'm like this, and they're down 10. I, I made a um, irrational decision and put a little too much money on Kansas to, to take care of business in the second half. It didn't happen, but hey, live and you learn. It's all about the Bengalis, though, boys. Reed, you're sending out those tired pictures yesterday, tired. holding your fingers up. You and Paul and Casey and Brandon and all these guys, you know, like whoa, on the sidelines. We had you in on it. Three, whoa, whoa, four whoa, whoa, quarters. Whoa. Can we, can we flash Thompson one, too? I decided yeah. to be a team player. And when you sent it out for the second quarter and everybody's holding their two fingers up, all right, I took a selfie, put the two fingers up. From that second on, they Buffalo right down the field. Bengals had like seven possessions before the kneel down at the end where they scored on five of them. Of course, after we went up the, the, the pictures around, they, they, they got three and out or whatever it was. And so we're right in the toilet. So when you start sending them out for the third quarter and the fourth quarter and all that nonsense, I said, I'm out. I'm done. Tired. Tom. See you in. Tom. <laughs> you sending that picture had no effect on the Bengals game. Had no effect. Jinxes don't exist. Superstitions don't exist. Keep sending the pictures. Tom clearly is a uh, he's a jinx guy. He's on he's, Casey and Trace's yeah, side of this. He's on our no. side. Clearly, 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 exist. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you guys send any more pictures? Yeah, you did, Paul. Casey, you didn't send any more. Well, you were at the game. Signal man been bad. Signal man been bad. No service, that nonsense stuff. In the I was stadium. just too hyped to. I, I wasn't hardly even looking at my phone half the time. Yeah. I was more focused on the game, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I would have been sending my fingers if if I was at home. Tom, you're making fun of the Michelob Ultras I was I drinking. I was, I was. Have you seen those commercials? They're, they're some of the best commercials. And, and look, I'm, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not a big, uh, I've had a thousand Mick Ultras, but, but, but have you seen those commercials they're running during the playoff games about the guy walks up and he's got the twelve pack of Mick, Mick Ultra and the guy behind the counter has got the haircut one more calorie than, you know? Have you seen these commercials? Yeah. Great yeah. spots. Ninety-five. You got a whole bucket at, full of them in front of you there. Athlete, the the mayor of Hamilton bought that for me. Of course he did. He was he was at the he was at the drink right down the road from our office here, and the mayor Pat Moeller said, "You guys were bringing a lot of energy. Here's a bucket of beer. Bought us a bucket of beer. That's the camaraderie we get here in the city of sculpture of Hamilton, Ohio." Amen, brother. Amen. Anybody that sends a bucket of beer is okay by me. Thanks. 
Good band. It's the way that they board. should. It's the way all beer should be sold by the bucket. Tom, Ken, Ken City USA had a question earlier in the show. I don't know. I, I think you were actually out of the uh, room yeah. when he asked the question. The question was: Is how close are the restrooms inside of a press box for announcers? Right. I mean, it all depends. Most of the ballparks, it's right there. You got 90 seconds in and out, bam, no problem. Uh, there are a couple of them where obviously they didn't put any thought, not just to the, the, the TV announcers, the radio, mm -hmm. but, but to the, 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 the members of the press entirely, where like in Denver, right? In Denver, you have great ballpark, love the town, whole nine yards. But you've got the, the writing press, it's on one level, and you got to go up two stairwells up to where the electronic press is up on the second level. There's no bathroom on the second level. Hmm. So when you're calling a game, what do you do? You got to sprint. You got to go. You got to go. <laughs> I didn't know if they just put a trough in the hallway or something like that. Or <laughs> don't know how they do it in Denver. In San Francisco, they do it in the streets, though, right? They just... <laughs> don't take me back. <laughs> don't take me back. This has been a very positive, enlightening show outside of the debate with Paul about college basketball, um, which we have plenty of time to get to that. Lord knows we're praying, praying the Bengals keep winning. Tom, we're going to Arrowhead. Because then we get to start talking about Alabama. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to talk about the Houston Cougars. Just lost a temple. Boy, now there's some teams to get excited about Alabama Houston who's the biggest number brand? two team gets blown out of the gym at home finish seven and nine in your conference hey welcome to the NCAA tournament you're in Tom we going out to Arrowhead this Sunday uh no are you you're going though right Oh, you guys are going. You're going on the big fun. You're going to the Allen Field House, right? That is happening. We will talk about it at the end of the show. We got to come up with a game plan. Gotta game plan up. what? We got we a we gotta game plan. We got a game plan this week. We gotta we gotta sort we gotta sort it out. You know, we gotta figure out what's going on. The, the original plan obviously did not did not encompass the idea of uh, the Bengals playing an Arrowhead for the AFC Championship. So that was. That was never in the works. And then last week, I think we started deciding on what game we were going to go to out there. And we chose the Kansas State game. And then we realized that two days prior to that was the AFC Championship yep. game. It just so happened to possibly be in Kansas City. So then we started kind of, you know, starting some rumor mills a little bit last week. And then we were like, well, let's just wait and see. Let's not try to plan all this out. Let's just figure it out as it happens. Just so happens that the Bengals win, so now we got to do some, some sorting. So out. I assume you guys have already started to look into it. Uh, uh, what are the tickets going for? Not cheap. Uh, yeah, it was like the 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 lowest one was like three eighty that I saw. I and that's way up. Yeah, way that's way the up there. That's without fees too. I'm a, and that's without. Gang. Yeah, yeah, that was. Without My fees. guess is to get in like out of pocket. Probably close to 500 bucks right now. Like we, we'll talk at the end of the show. It's it's on the segment. KC plans. Well, we'll what do we do? We got to wait it out a little bit. I think that it's like one of yeah. those situations where it's like super high at the beginning, and then yeah, and then maybe that people are like, ah, I don't really want to spend that much money, and then by Wednesday, 
And I think that's Hopefully. happened for most of these games, right? Yeah. For most of these games, Casey, you were looking at the last minute. You bought last Friday, if I remember right. Yeah. Like, and they come down a little bit, or were they still right where they pretty would, much started? Uh, I mean, we, we bought them. We were looking at tickets. I don't think they really – they didn't price gouge us at all. I mean, they were like 170 bucks most of the time um, throughout the entire time that we were looking. I mean, What about that in Buffalo, by the way? Tickets were relatively affordable to get in. Yeah. Last home game of the year for Buffalo, regardless. Yep. You can't make the excuse they were looking past the Bengals and they were waiting for the next game to splurge or something like that. Maybe they did splurge all their money for their trip to Atlanta that, they never, that they're never going to mm-hmm. take. But having said that, what about the idea that last, last night you could clearly hear who day chants like middle of the third? Yeah. And Casey's saying it wasn't even that impressive. Well, I, bad I, look for the Bills Mafia. Look, just I saying. Got a thought, I, I got a thought. To begin with, I think we forget at the end of the day how small Buffalo is. I'm not sure if the NFL were expanding right now. Okay, if they were expanding, there, there's no way the Green Bay Packers would get a team. Green Bay would get it. I mean, it's not even a thought, right? Milwaukee maybe, but not Green Bay, right? Buffalo is 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 a not a very big city. B, I was amazed, and I saw it in person when I took our son up on a college visit to Syracuse. I was amazed at how devastating the pandemic was to people there in that state because of the way they shut that place down. I mean, people lost everything up there. We went into Syracuse University. I'd never been there before. And this was after we had not been wearing masks in Ohio for months. We pull up at 10 o'clock at night, right in the middle of campus on a Thursday night. Now, I know Miami of Ohio. I know Athens, Ohio. You pull up in the middle of a campus on a Thursday night, it's rolling. Sure. Right? I mean, big time rolling. There's Thursday. I say to the guy, a guy comes trotting out, valet guy, little hotel right there. He comes trotting out, he's got a mask on. I'm going, everything all right? He's like, yeah. I said, listen, you know, it's 10 o'clock. My son and I are looking to get something to eat. Is that the main kind of drag through campus over there? He says, yeah. I said, well, it looks pretty dark. I said, you know, what's the deal? He says, whole place is shut down. Every place has gone out of business. Oh my God. Every single one of them. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. He's like, I'm not kidding at all. And he said, and by the way, before you walk in that door, you better find a face mask. And so I proceeded to learn over the next 48 hours being there in upstate New York and all over that state. I mean... I think there are a lot of people that, that have been, their lives have been completely devastated, fiscally devastated, along with, of course, emotionally in some cases. But, yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all that that happened in Buffalo. Now, damn it, Tom. We're over here. I'm trying to say the You're Bills Mafia. You're trying to up the Bills. I'm trying to say the Bills Mafia it out. isn't all fact. that big and bad. Just like Paul. And you come in here and you want to sit here and talk about how their lives have been turned upside down they and have. wrecked. And now I'm going to go up here and I'm going to talk about how, first of all, the first subject matter we'll get to all right. on the show, which is, uh, you can say I'm a hater, whatever you want to, but the big bad bills were never the big bad bills. They never, be- they never belonged to be in that pedestal they, they've been put on. They've never won a damn thing. And all of a sudden, now we're supposed to believe they're not the Minnesota Vikings? I'm uh, with you. We'll get into that in a minute. All right. Boys, enjoy it. Gentlemen, great job. Paul, is Alabama on tonight? Uh, they're the number two team in the country. I thought Kansas was. They new poll just came out five minutes ago. Number two, Purdue's number one. We're the Muskies. Dropped to 13. Still the highest ranked Big East team, though. 
You uh, where'd Kansas go? Did UCF? Oh, Kansas is nine. UC? Connecticut drop off. Connecticut is nineteen. Oh really? Uh, Providence is twenty three. Connecticut's nineteen, and Marquette's sixteen. Okay, there you go. Take it away, boys. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> All right.